Scaling Up Nation, we finally have a prep class for you to help build your confidence to take the Certified Water Technologist Designation Exam. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep to enroll in the class that teaches you why each one of the answers on the mock exam is the best answer. I work each one of the 75 questions giving you insight into how I read into those questions to build your confidence so you can go in and confidently sit down to take the certified water technologist examination. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep today. Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm Trace Blackmore. I get to host this awesome podcast, Scaling Up Nation. It is almost the end of April. Where's the year going? It's almost the end of the first month in the second quarter. And just like we start each and every year, we talk about goal setting. We talk about evaluating how the previous year went, what life was trying to teach us along that year, what we got accomplished, what lessons we learned, and then we applied that to the current year. We then break that down into quarter bite-sized pieces And we've already finished one quarter. We're now almost one third into the second quarter. My question for you is, how are you doing? And it really doesn't matter how successful you are if you're not measuring. So my real question for you is, how do you know? How are you keeping score? What are the things that you are measuring to make sure that you are getting the things accomplished that you want to get done? Peter Drucker said, what gets measured gets better. And we all know that if we measure something, that means we're looking at something. And the only way anything gets better is we have to look at it and then get the information, do something with that information, and that just in itself will make whatever we are looking at better. So how are you keeping score? One of the tools that we use in the Rising Tide Mastermind, and I've shared it here on this podcast, is a book called The 12-Week Year. And exactly what I just described in this opener is exactly what that book teaches you to do. What are your three-year goals? Then you break those down into your one-year goals. Then you break those down into your quarterly goals. And then you keep score each and every week. Are you doing the things that you need to do in order to get those things you want done done. It's a great book. You can get a copy by going to an affiliate link that we have set up for you, scalinguph2o.com forward slash 12 week. Nation, I know you'll enjoy that. There are a bunch of episodes that I've done on that book. 
And don't think just because we're one-third in to the second quarter that if you haven't started those things, that you cannot get them started. There's a Chinese proverb out there that says the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Make today the day you plant that tree. Nation, we got a couple things coming up. One of the things I want to mention is the International Conference on Biological Wastewater Treatment Technologies. That's taking place in New York June 2nd through June 3rd. If that's something you want to find out more information about, go to ScalingUpH2O.com and we'll have all that information for you. Also, the National Rural Water Association is having their in-service training in Anaheim, California, June 7th through 9th. Again, we'll have all that information for you so you can find out all about that on our show notes page. The event that I want to make sure that you are participating in because it is such a great cause and we are going to have a lot of fun doing it is the 6K that we are having Team Scaling Up participate in on May 21st. That's a Saturday, and it's being held by Team World Vision. Of course, you heard Steve Spear in the episode a few weeks ago talk all about Team World Vision and how he actually ran from one coast to the other coast, all the way across the country. So he's not a cross-country runner. He's a cross-country runner. He talked about that experience, but he also talked about all the things that he does with Team World Vision and what the 6K is and what World Vision does when people participate in the 6K. He told us the reason that it's a 6K because that's the average amount of distance somebody that doesn't have access to clean drinking water has to walk in order to go get drinking water and bring it back. We heard in that interview, a lot of times that water is very far from anything you would consider clean. I urge you to go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash 6K to sign up to become part of Team Scaling Up Nation, or maybe you want to sign up your own team. I don't care. I just want you to get involved. I want you to share your pictures of you participating in this 6K with all the hashtags that we are posting on social media. We're going to be posting to hashtag ScalingUpH2O and hashtag World Vision. And there's probably some others out there that I'm not thinking of. But the whole point is, is I want you to be part of this community and show off that you are having fun and you are participating in this so worthy cause. To find out more, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash 6K. Nation, I feel like each and every week I tell you how excited I am about our guest. This week is no different. I am so close with the person that we are going to talk to. So here is our next interview. Scaling Up Nation, my lab partner today is my mastermind facilitator, none other than Big A Walker. 
Welcome, Big A. Hey, Trace. Man, thank you for having me. You know, I used to tell people all the time they never could pronounce Aaron. They would always say Aaron. And I'm like, hey, my mama said Aaron, so it's Aaron. But <laughs> I changed it to Big A so nobody would mess it up. Man, what a pleasure it is today to be with you, Trace. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And to have you back, you were on almost a year ago and you were sharing all things Big A Walker. You were telling us a little bit about how you started your mastermind, how you've been a huge inspiration in how I started the Rising Tide Mastermind. And recently you did something that just inspired the heck out of me. I don't know if I can ever do it. We're going to talk about that on the podcast. But you recently took a sabbatical. I want to talk all about that. Yeah, man, I never thought I would do it either. And because I do facilitate your mastermind group, I'm going to see to it that you take a sabbatical. So we'll talk about that more later. But man, I didn't think I could either. 43 years this year I've been in business. And I'm like, there is no way all the team members was talking about me being gone. And I was scared to death and all my buddies jumped in. And so yeah, I did. And I took off longer than they had told me originally. And we can get into the details of that. But I'm telling you, Trace, it was life transforming to take a sabbatical. I'm just telling you, man, so much clarity was gained as a result of that. And uh, yeah, I know everybody can't do it just immediately, but it is something that we all can aspire to. Well, I can't wait to have that conversation. I do want to remind the audience how awesome you are with all the things that you do. So if you were to sum up what it is that Big A does, how would you do that? Well, a summary, like a one-line summary, I help ordinary men become extraordinary in all they do. You know, my life's mission is motivation, helping other people accomplish their goals and dreams. And uh, it's just something that gets me up each and every day. I love to help everybody else accomplish what they're trying to in life. And so I feel like with 43 years of business and 42 years of marriage, maybe, just maybe I can give you one or two nuggets to help you along the way. Well, Big A, you and I get to see each other each and every week. And I'm going to say your superpower is to be able to give somebody something that's really hard for you to say, hard for them to hear, but you do it in such a caring way. You've got courage doing that. You do it with tact and people always take it well. How do you do that? Because that's got to be difficult. Well, you know, I, it's funny you're saying this because I had coffee with a buddy of mine yesterday and we were talking through some of our superpowers and blind spots and kryptonite and things like that. And he made a comment similar to what you just said. And here's what he said, and we'll go with it. He said, you really care about people. That's the reason that they're willing to listen. And I think that's true. I mean, I do care about people, you know, I mean, I get to spend time with people and help them. You build these relationships and build a rapport with people. And you know, my mom and dad always said, be authentic and genuine. And uh, I just guess I genuinely care about people. And you've got to say hard things oftentimes. It's not things you want to say, but that's the reason we call it iron sharpens iron. Sometimes there are sparks fly. And if it doesn't, then you're really not sharpening iron. And so I just say you have to say it with compassion, empathy, and genuine love for the person you're talking to. When you came on last time, we talked a lot around the mastermind. 
And I, I don't want to redo that episode, but you are the master behind masterminds. You've written the playbook for it. You've helped so many people create their own mastermind. We've got people that are listening today, and maybe they heard me do some commercials for the Rising Tide Mastermind. Maybe they've heard some other mastermind. Maybe they don't even know what that term is. How would the master explain to somebody what a mastermind is? Yeah, you know, I think that we're designed to be in community. Just humanity in general is designed to have other parts around you that can supplement where you're possibly weak. And there's so many things I may be good at, but there's things that I'm not so good at. And I need people to aid me in that process. So it's really more of a peer advisory group. It's kind of your own board of directors. It's people that really know you intimately. Obviously, I have conversations with business people each and every day and had an interesting conversation with a gentleman yesterday and kind of went like this. He wanted some advice. And I said, well, it's hard for me to give you just blanket advice. Like I could tell you what I would do. But if I don't know you intimately and I don't know what your goals are, your vision is, I don't know your superpowers, your blind spot. I don't know of interest that you have in this world. I don't know anything about your family. I don't know about your history. It's hard for me to tell you anything that would be solid advice for you specifically. And when you get to know people in a mastermind, you find out every answer to those questions that I just posed. And then I can walk alongside you and say, if I were in your situation, this is what I would do. Otherwise, it's just generic blanket information that sounds good on the surface, but it's not applicable to most people. One of my favorite things that we do is we always ask for wins, something positive that happened between this meeting and the previous meeting. And it always happens. Somebody's win is really the group's win because that was an issue we helped them process. Yeah, uh, each person has privy to the information behind the scenes. They have context for the conversation. And so we're able to celebrate in the mastermind together. You know, oftentimes there's not a place to celebrate. We have wins and we have things that we would like to share. But if people don't have context to that conversation, they've not been on board, they don't know the particulars around it, it's hard, you know, as well as I do, Trace, just to go in and say, hey, I accomplished this today. They look at you like you're boastful or you know, they don't have the context. But when the mastermind members have seen you struggle, they know exactly what you've gone through. They know what you've given up. They know the hours that you've put in in order to accomplish that. It's a huge celebration for everybody in the room, which then gives you more encouragement to tackle the next process. And so it's just being in community. You know, masterminds, somebody asked me one time, they said, what is the oldest mastermind? I said, well, Jesus had 12 (laughs) And so I guess we can go back to there and start. And there's just a model that's set before us that just shows that we can go further and last longer when we have community around us. Well, I'm assuming that in your mastermind, somebody told you that you needed to take some time off, that you needed to step away from the business, you needed to unplug from your regular day-to-day and work on those things. Is that where that idea came from? A little bit. We'll dive in because, Trace, you know from being around me, I'm pretty vulnerable. I mean, I'll say it. So I'll just say some things uh, because I don't hide. You know, we all go through things. I was having a really tough time back uh, in 2021. Uh, My sleep was not good at all. I was really having some trouble sleeping. I'd hired a couple of doctors and we were trying to get to the bottom of that. I didn't feel like I had anything to worry about. 
but there were some chemicals that were out of balance and there were some other things that I needed to do. And I became foggy. Like I wasn't in the conversation. Uh, I would show up and I would be fatigued. I would go to bed and I would get up and I would still be tired. And that takes its toll on you after years of going through that. And uh, a couple of people told me, they said, Big A, you need to take a vacation. You need to take some time off. And then a couple of guys in the mastermind said, no, you need longer than a couple of weeks. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They said, you need to take a month. And I said, a month? Are you kidding me? I've been working 43 years. There's no way I'm taking off a month. And they said, well, do you have a business or do you have a job? And I said, what do you mean by that? They said, well, it sounds like to me you've got a job because if it were a business, it could operate without you. Well, I don't know if that made me mad or it motivated me, but I started thinking about it and I said, you know, that's true because, you know, I don't want just a high paying job. I want a business that has processes and systems and people in place that can go on without me. So I go to another mastermind group. I'm getting opinions from them as well. And uh, a guy in there named Lance Belene. Lance is a great guy. He's in the financial industry. He said, Big A, you need to take two months off. I said, what? There is no way. You have lost your mind. He said, it'll take you with your personality as amped up as you are a month just to relax. And then you'll be able to get into a good spot where you can really figure things out. So I went to another doctor, which was a neuroscientist and uh, neurologist. And she said, you know, there's something to that with your personality. You really do need to take an extended time. And I'm like, dang, I think y'all are, you know, banning against me. You know, you're plotting in the background behind me. And they said, no, you really need to do this. So I went to Robin, talked to her. She said, uh, no, it sounds good. And so I went back to our team and I said, listen, uh, this was in the middle of October. And I said, I'm going to take a sabbatical. And the team goes, okay, good. When? I said, in two weeks. They said, in two weeks. And I said, yeah. They said, how long are you going to be gone? I said, two months. And they said, what are you saying? Two months. And I said, yeah, I'm going to take two months off. And it took them about a day to digest that. It took them a little time to process it. And then the team rallied around me and they said, no, Big A, you need to take off the time. And so yeah, we prepared. We made the designations that we needed to, and uh, we delegated the tasks that uh, things that I was doing, and I was off to the races. So yeah, November 1st, 2021, I had completely unplugged from everything except my family. Big A, I get it. If it's a real running business, we should have systems and people in place that the owner shouldn't need to be there. However, there is something that goes through the owner's mind that they have to be there, that if something happens and they're not there to take care of it, what if? How did you deal with all of that? Well, it was hard, Trace, and I'm not going to sit here and say it wasn't difficult. All those thoughts went through my mind. You know, this is not, not to boast in any way, but this is my 14th business that I've started. I started when I was 18 years old, and this is our 14th company. And I've always thought I was indispensable. You know, I was like, man, I've got to be there and I've got to check on everything. And, you know, there's a certain amount of that that's true with small businesses to a point, but you've got to really think through it. And this allowed me time to think through those questions. It's like, what if you had a stroke today? Like you're a small business owner and you're listening to me do this interview and you're like, well, I hadn't really thought about that. Who then would run the company? What would you do? And and then it's like, uh, 
there's worse things than dying. And that could be you becoming impaired to a point that you couldn't even make decisions. Now what's going to happen to your business? You couldn't even direct it. God forbid that to ever happen to anybody. But I started really thinking through this and I said, I went into business to be able to have a lifestyle that I wanted to live. I didn't go into business to be a slave to the job and only be able to have to work each and every day, all day long, and it couldn't survive without me. That sounds more like you're in jail than it does <laughs> owning a business. When you put it that way, sure. Yeah, and it really is. You've kind of created an environment to where there's no systems, there's no processes, there's no way to you know delegate out the steps along the way that you've so masterfully done. And so then you've really honestly, just you just have a job. And I just said, I don't want a job. I want a business. The other thing, when you get ready to sell it, and I've had the distinct privilege of selling numbers of companies, when it's reliant on you primarily, you devalue the business exponentially because the person that's buying it can't measure up from a personality standpoint. Uh, You don't have systems and processes in place. The businesses are worth more that can run without you. And so just food for thought as you're building your business along the way, you know, if you're ever going to sell it or transition, you need to have these systems and processes in place that can run without you. So, yeah, just the realization of that, thinking through it, I said, well, you know, this will kind of stress test our team. We'll we'll see what they're made of. And I'll I'll go a step further. I'll even tell you some things that we did. Like I, I get between 100 and 150 emails a day, every day. And I'm very prompt at replying to those emails. And I didn't look at one for 60 days. I delegated that to my executive assistant. Her name's Romley, and she does an amazing job. When I came back, I thought, man, I'm going to have a real mess. Well, here we are several months past the sabbatical, and I didn't have one complaint, not one. I get 100, 150 emails a day. And so what I elected to do is to stay on that program. So even when I came back from sabbatical, she's still managing that. And she gives to me now in a personal file folder, email, a digital folder, the things that only I can do. So I don't have to sift through those things. No social media. And I was jonesing. Like the first two weeks, literally visually shaking. I was like looking at my hands and I was like, Robin, what in the world is wrong with me? Because I'm so used to doing things. I'm so used to being on social media, answering emails. And like I would pick up my phone and I would go, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. And I would lay it down. I'm embarrassed to admit a lot of these things, Trace, but some of the listeners out there today are in a similar situation. The first week I was off, I looked at my phone of the previous week and I'd picked up my phone 1,045 times in a seven-day period. And I'm like, that's sick. Like, that's sick. And so the first two weeks, I continually reached in my back pocket where I carried my phone and I picked up my phone. I caught myself doing it at the grocery. I would go pick up some things for Robin. And while I was standing there waiting on the checkout line, I would pick up my phone. I was like, why do I keep picking up this phone? I'm like, nobody's calling me and I'm not calling anybody. I can't answer an email. I can't do social media posts. And so I really became fully aware that I was addicted to social media and to email productivity, making something happen. And I was like, this is not really a healthy spot to be in. This is not like good for me as an individual. 
What I found out after doing a little more research is that every time you pick up your phone, you go to email, you go to social media, you get a dopamine hit. And I was addicted to the dopamine hit. I felt like I was making progress. And so it was very telling on me as an individual taking the sabbatical because I'm really having time now to evaluate things that I was doing that I wasn't even aware of. If somebody had asked me, how many times do you pick up your phone a week? I would have said a couple of hundred, but a thousand forty-five times. I was like, that's sick. And so it really allowed me some time to really think through those top habits. When you took off on sabbatical, what was your goal? A successful sabbatical. When I come back in two months, I would have accomplished these things. Yeah, well, what it allowed me to do, there was two things. My first objective was to get healthy physically. That was the thing that I was most focused on because I had to get some sleep. I did two sleep studies during the course of that 60 days, and we found out some real problems. My oxygen level was going down to 82. Well, they'll put you in the hospital for your oxygen level going down, which tells you the reason that I was having these fog issues, you know, then you're not getting sleep. You're not staying asleep. So physically you're going to sleep. Your brain's not going to sleep. And then when your brain's going to sleep, sleep apnea kicks in. Now your brain says, Hey, you need oxygen. So I'm like, man, I'm going to (laughs) die. If I don't get this fixed, I'm going to die. So my first primary objective was to get some rest and, and to get some sleep. I'm happy to report today I'm sleeping seven and a half to eight and a half hours a night, every night. There's no more fog. I move my workout schedule to the mornings instead of the evenings. I feel like a new man. I mean, literally feel like a new man. Like I'm in this conversation, no fog, total clarity. So that was my primary focus. The secondary focus was, you know, I'm 61 now. And so after 43 years of being an entrepreneur, I needed some time away to really focus on what is mine and Robin's life going to look like during these latter years. You know, I mean, I'm not going anywhere for a long time, but I'm no spring chicken either. And so I've got to think, you know, what am I going to do? What is the lifestyle I want to live? Because Robin and I elect to live very proactively, not reactively. I don't want to just get up every day and, you know, meet the day's challenge and go about it. I I want to be proactive in my life. So I needed time to plan for that. And then finally, I wanted to see if the business was really a business or a job. And I discovered it is a business because we have an incredible team and they never missed a beat. When someone goes on sabbatical, does that mean you go somewhere? You're trying to stay outside of your regular day-to-day? Yeah, I'll just go through my schedule with you. I'll tell you what I did. The first two weeks, I shook a lot and I sat on the patio. That was my first two weeks. I lit up a couple of fires out there. I've got a hot tub and I'd get in the hot tub every day. And normally, you know, I do that anyway, but I have a schedule and I'm like, I don't even have to get out. I look like a weathered grape most mornings. I get out of that hot tub and I'd go in the house and I'd be like, man, I got nothing to do. And so, you know, I'd go to Bass Pro Shop or I'd go to Home Depot or Lowe's and hang out for a little while, come back home and eat lunch with Robin. And I was like, dang, this is pretty nice. You know, it was like, I don't have the phone ringing because I put the phone aside. You know, it's like, I've got two phones. I've got a phone that only three people have the number to, and that's my family. And if they need me, they can get me. Then I've got a business phone. I turned it off and I'm like, I wonder if anybody's calling. And I was like, put a message on there that said, hey, if this is an emergency, contact Romley, my assistant at this email address. And 
So that's what I did the first two weeks. So after that, uh, a friend of mine invited me down to Key West. He's got a house down there. So I went down there and fished for a few days. That was a lot of fun. Came back and on my way back, he's got a boat in West Palm Beach. And he said, hey, nobody's using the boat. Why don't you go up and stay on it for a few days? And I'm like, really, man, I've never done that. Like I've never done a sabbatical, first of all. And then I've never really gone away for any period of time alone, like alone, alone like with nobody. And so I went up, it's got a really nice boat there. So I went up and got on the boat and I stayed three days, nobody but me on this boat. And uh, I took naps in the middle of the day. I sat out on the back of the boat and read. I'm Christian by faith. So I prayed, I read my Bible, I journaled. I'd go take another nap in between lunch and dinner. And I was like, this is starting to like feel pretty good. And it seemed like during that time, I was able to relax because I said, hey, I'm really, really going to unplug here. And then what was amazing to me is, is the depth of my thinking at that point. It wasn't just dealing with emails and social media and customers that were unhappy and another coaching client and doing a podcast interview. I was like, man, I can really think through what I want to accomplish. I can really think through what mine and Robin's life is going to look like. Because we're so busy and we're so clouded with activities, we can't get to that level. And so that was probably a highlight for me. I came back. Uh, Robin and I went on a cruise. We did the Mexican Riviera down through Cabo and Puerto Vallarta and had a really good cruise. And then I came back and uh, spent another couple of weeks during Thanksgiving and during Christmas and then had a really good New Year's. And uh, there again, I'm going to be just blatantly honest with you. For me, six weeks would have been perfect. Eight weeks was a little too long. Like at the end of six weeks, I was fired up. I was rested. I had a plan and I was ready to come back. But I promised my family and I promised our team that I would stay gone eight weeks. And so I really could have gone back after six weeks, but I stayed the other two weeks and then came back. Well, Big A, I have to say from having you not in our group for two months, that was very weird. We missed you. We got by and you gave us the tools so we were able to lead the meetings and be as productive as we could. But you came back totally different and you could not wait for your turn to speak when we all shared some wins and you said, I got to tell you about this sabbatical. You were so fired up and you were sharing all the things that you just shared with the Scale It Up Nation. It was inspiring. Now, I still don't know if I can do something like that, but I want what you came back with. Yeah, you have to experience it on your own. No one can convince or talk anybody into doing it. You've just, it's kind of a leap of faith a little bit. Some people initially, like you're hearing me tell this right now, you're a solopreneur, you don't have a team. And I get that. So I don't want to come here and say, oh, yeah, anybody can do it. Like everybody can't do it initially. But you can set a target date to get yourself in a position to be able to do it. Another reason that you really need to do it, every person needs to. I used to think that it was rich people just using that as an example to take an extended vacation. But I can really see people, you know, friends of mine have told me about this. And I'm like, yeah, I hear that. But I don't know if I could do that. And I always kind of put it off. But what I really learned out of the sabbatical also is really doing a deep dive in myself. Like I met with four counselors 
during this time. And I really shared my heart and I found out that I really had some misplaced priorities. Like I would come in the mastermind group and I would tell y'all things and you really need to do this, but I actually wasn't doing it myself. And it felt very hypocritical. It was like, you know, I'm teaching these things, but I'm not even doing that myself. And so it allowed me to really reformulate in my mind the big rocks, the big things that were priority in my life. And I came back and I redid my entire schedule. I put the big rocks in first. It was like my faith and my family and my health and relationships and then business. And so now I'm able to start my day a little bit later. I've delegated out about 75% of what I do. And I'm only focusing on the things that I consider my lane of genius. Like, yeah, I could do my zone of competence, but that doesn't mean that you should do it. And you hear these fancy terminologies and you say, yeah, that sounds good for you, but I couldn't do it. Well, I thought the same, but you can do it. And so I just want to encourage those that are listening, just do it incrementally. Don't set it aside and think I could never do this. You could, uh, but it just takes a little bit of energy. The other thing that really helped me is I learned what was exhausting me. I learned the things that were sucking the energy out of me. And I said, I can't be my best self and my best person if I'm doing tasks that's draining me. And so now I'm pretty fired up most every day because I'm doing the things that give me energy, the things that I really aspire to do. There again, some of you listening to my voice today, there's certain tasks that you have to do in your business because you don't have anybody else to do it. I get that. I've done that numbers of times. But aspire to delegate those things out to a virtual assistant or another team member and then really focus on what you do best and you'll grow your business exponentially faster than you would trying to do everything on your own. Big A, is it an all or nothing approach? Can somebody start with just taking a Friday off every Friday? Yeah, that's actually what I did a couple of years ago is that uh, I worked five days a week and I actually retired 11 years ago and I started coaching a couple of people that turned into a podcast interview that turned into multiple podcast interviews that turned into now 17 mastermind groups. Robin said, I'm working more now than I've ever worked in my career. And it's probably true, but I'm loving it more than anything I've ever done. And so now it's a passion project. Now it's something that really feeds my soul. There's great purpose and meaning in it. Yes, you can start with a single step. And I challenge all my buddies, people that are around me now. About four years ago, I started taking off every Friday. And quite honestly, I've watched it and I make more now than I did when I was working five days a week because I'm more productive. The hours now, I really focus and I accomplish more in the four days than I did in the five days. And quite honestly, I'm looking at now eliminating Thursdays. And so I bet you $5, I'll become more productive. I'll use my time more strategic and I'll probably make more money and get more accomplished in those three days, but it's incremental, right? So start with a Friday, work towards a Thursday, work towards a few weeks sabbatical, you know, maybe work your way up to a month. And, you know, a lot, not a lot of people is going to take two months off. You know, that you need to be a little more seasoned, have a few more years under your belt, and then aspire to do two months. How have your relationships changed post-sabbatical? Well, the main relationship that's 
probably better than it's ever been is the one with Robin. Robin and I have been married 42 years now. I wasn't so fun to be with in 2021 because I was tired. I was foggy. And when I came back, to be honest, again, I keep saying that because your audience doesn't know me. But to be honest with you, I'm not sure she believed I was going to make some changes. And so when I told her what I was going to do, she said, yeah, I'll believe that when I see it. And I've done it. And she's encouraged. Our team is very encouraged because Brooke, my daughter, is the COO of our business. And she told me one day, she goes, Dad, quite honestly, these meetings go better when you're not in there. (laughs) I got kicked out of my own meeting. And she said, you've always got all these ideas. We need to let you be a visionary and we need to bring you in when we need you. And now, quite honestly, they do get more done when I'm not there because I disrupted the meetings. Kevin Wallenbach is our integrator, does an outstanding job, and he is really implementing these strategies that we're putting in place. And I'm doing what I do best, and that's connect with the members, podcast interviews. I encourage, I help, I support, I challenge, I cast vision, uh, the things that really give me energy. So, yeah, I would say our entire team is thrilled uh, because I've reallocated the things that I do and I've allowed them to operate in their zone of genius as well. Was it hard to come back? No, I was excited to come back. You know, Robin told me a couple of times, she goes, I kind of like you being around like this. And I said, well, that's good, but I'm not retiring right now. You know, we'll look at that later. It really wasn't hard for me to come back because I knew that I was going to make some changes. I knew I would be invigorated. You know, I'm a very uh, goal-oriented person. I love to be happy. I choose to be happy. And I've eliminated the things in my life that caused me to be unhappy. And so for that reason, you know, I feel more motivated now than ever before. Big A, what one word would you use to sum up your experience? Energizing. Yeah, I would never have thought that. I thought I would come back and it would be something that, you know, the wheels had run off that I felt like. See, the other thing is, is I'm kind of a control freak. Like I have to know everything that's going on in every facet of my business. And I've always been that way in every business I've ever owned until I really got into this business and got the competent, capable people and empower them to do their job. God gifts each one of us differently. And I was trying to do administrative work and tasks and processes that I'm not gifted at. And I need to stay in my zone of genius. I need to stay in that lane and do what only I can do and let other competent, capable people stay in their zone. And when you do that, it runs like a well-oiled machine. One of the things you said in the very beginning was if the business is running well, it should be able to afford to allow you to do this. When you came back, were there certain cracks that you found needed to be repaired? Just within myself, you know, it was like, man, why didn't I delegate that out earlier? Why didn't I allow them? Here's the thing, too, is that I'm very good at allowing people to make mistakes because we all make mistakes. And I said, hey, if if it's not right, I'll support you, but just don't do it again. And they're like, man, that is really good. The thing that I discovered in myself was is that I felt like before I left, I had to master every platform. You know, there were so many different things. And I just want to say that we're a lot better off being an inch wide and a mile deep because really the riches are in the niches. I mean, that's the place that we are really going to flourish. You know, specialists get rich and hogs get slaughtered. 
And I had rather worry about the guy that practices one kick 10,000 times than the guy that practices 10,000 kicks once because he's the guy that's going to really get you. And that's what I wanted to become. I wanted to do the Gary Keller thing, you know, the one thing. It's like, what is it that I can do that will really move the needle? And what is the focus? I don't have to master every platform. I only need to be really, really good at a couple of things and let my team take care of the other things. Big A, if you were to pull your phone out right now, how many times have you looked at it last week? Oh, probably half of what I used to. And the reason is, is because I don't do those tasks as much on the phone anymore. I don't have to. And so I haven't mastered it. Just to be honest, I'm still not where I want to be. Uh, I still catch myself grabbing my phone and it's a process. And that's another reason that I'm kind of re-exploring atomic habits. You know, James Clear does a really good job in that book teaching us habitually how to do things. And so, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm a lot better off than I was. I think our listeners are a lot better off than they were. I never thought that I could do something like this, but it starts with one day and it starts with the attitude and it starts with the expectations of being more energized, being more available to the people that are important to you and being more rested, being all those things. So I want to thank you for coming on, sharing the story and inspiring me and all the listeners. Man, I really appreciate that. You know, if you get a chance and uh, I'd love to interact with your listeners in the future, but we're doing something really fun right now called TuesdayNoon.live, L-I-V-E, TuesdayNoon.live. And it's free. We don't charge anybody to come. It's just something you come, I teach, I educate, I help you get unstuck, I help you go through transitions, understand what accountability is. And uh, I would just invite your listeners, if they want to hear more, please join me. I'll make sure to put that information on the show notes page. Big A, thank you so much for coming on Scaling Up H2O. I enjoyed it, Trace. We'll see you, buddy. A little over a year ago, we invited Big A on the show. That was March 5th of last year. If you did not hear my original interview with Big A, that's episode 184. And I just love talking to Big A. As I mentioned, his superpower is to give you the hard information that you need to hear in a way that you can hear it. He is so caring and he can deliver some really harsh news that nobody else has told you. And he does it in a way that allows you to just want to improve on it, want to ask more, and then he'll hold you accountable to make sure that that gets done. I introduced him in episode 184 as my mastermind mentor. Big A was so helpful in helping me set up the Rising Tide Mastermind and making sure that the experience with all the members within the Rising Tide Mastermind was positive and everybody was growing, everybody was getting better, everybody was part of a community. Definitely Big A was on my board of directors, making sure that we were hitting on all of those cylinders. Big A, thank you for all of that. And thank you for opening my eyes that the strength of the business isn't the strength of the owner, it's the strength of the business to be able to run without the owner. 
If those are not words of wisdom that we all need to live by, especially us small business owners, I hope that you do something with that. I am really big on processes and procedures. I really think it's my love language. And so I think we've got most things covered, but I've got to ask myself, could the company run the way it's supposed to with me not being here? And my first reaction is yes. I really think we have a lot of processes and procedures, but moreover, we have incredible people on our team. They are just fantastic. They care as much, if not more, than I do about each and everything that they do. They pour themselves into everything that they do. I almost want to try having a sabbatical just to do that test that Big A was talking about. Eventually, I'll get there. I really like where he was coaching me to maybe just take one day a week off. And Nation, Big A was very transparent, very vulnerable. I'm going to do the same thing with you. I am a workaholic. I love getting things done, but a lot of times that's to the detriment of all the important relationships in my life. And it's probably not a well-balanced life. And if you're not paying attention to all the other relationships that are going on, something is going to happen. So when Big A was telling me about his sabbatical, I too thought that was just a fancy word for rich people taking an extended vacation. But I think it does so much. So if you're in the same boat that I am and you don't think you can go away for an extended amount of time, I want you to have a goal just like I do to do that. I think it shows that you have confidence in your people. I think it shows that all of the legwork that you've done to make sure that you have processes and procedures, that they are working, that they are being followed. And you know what? If something happens, you'll find out about it. Chances are it's not going to be as bad as you think it is. And then you can get it fixed. And as Big A mentioned, if you ever have aspirations to sell your company, you're not going along with that deal. And if you do, it's only going to be for a few years. How much more valuable is your company going to be when you can prove that it can run without you? Folks, I just think that the ideas that Big A shared today are true game changers for people that want to make sure that they have businesses and not just jobs, as Big A said. One of the things I love about Big A is he is always challenging me and everybody around him. So I hope what he mentioned today gives you a little bit of a challenge. And of course, speaking of challenges, we're thinking on water with James McDonald. Here he is. Welcome to Thinking on Water with James, the segment where we don't give you the answers, we give you the topics and questions for you to think about, drop by drop. Now let's get to it. In this week's episode, we're thinking about how sodium hypochlorite, or bleach, controls microbiological growth. What's happening outside the microbiological cell? What's happening inside? What are the chemical species causing this? How much time is required to get effective microbiological control? How does pH impact these chemical species? Does the reservoir effect soften the impact of pH? 
Take this week to learn more about sodium hypochlorite and its impact upon microbiological growth. Be sure to follow hashtag TOW22 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O to share your thoughts on each week's Thinking on Water. I'm James McDonald, and I look forward to learning more from you. Thanks for that, James. Nation, if you have not kept up with James's challenges, don't worry. They're on each and every episode of Scaling Up. And if you need to go find out what you've missed, go to our website, Scaling Up H2O, where we have all of those listed for you. Also, while you're there, don't forget to sign up for the 6K, scalinguph2o.com forward slash 6K. We'll have a sign-up page for you. It's just $50. That $50 you heard a couple of weeks ago, what that can do for one child that does not have clean drinking water. And then it will also allow you to participate in the 6K. They'll send you a jersey. They will send you a medal. And then you will get that most coveted bib with the child's picture that you are sponsoring. And I promise when you are walking, running, crawling, using a walker, pushing a stroller, however you decide to do the 6K on Saturday, May 21st, people are gonna stop you and ask you who is on your bib. It is a conversation starter and you will love sharing that information with people. I can't wait to share that whole experience with you through social media. So if you haven't gone up one more time, scalinguph2o.com forward slash 6K. Folks, I sure enjoy bringing this podcast to you. And until next week, when I have a brand new episode for you, I hope you have a great week. Take care of each other, folks. Nation, almost two years ago, I started the Rising Tide Mastermind. We have over four groups and a waiting list for a new group. Folks, it is wildly successful. And what I mean by that is that we are able to process issues together and get new ideas about how we solve the issues that we all face day to day in ways that we might not have come up with on our own. Folks, look into the Rising Tide Mastermind to see if it is right for you by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind. If what you see looks interesting, schedule an appointment with me and we will see if the group is right for you and you are right for the group.